Welcome into Tales Never Fails. My name is Steve Kramer. Appreciate you checking out the show. You can follow us on Twitter at TNF underscore podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. On today's show, we're breaking down the week one slate. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Parker Hurley Parks. How are you? Doing well, like we were just talking about before recording. Just so excited to get football rolling here with week one. Yeah, finally. And like we were just talking about, you know, getting fans back and everything, this this should be a really good year, Parks. It starts tomorrow, 451-452 on the Vegas Rotation Parks. Thursday Night Football, Dallas on the road at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Thursday Night Football gets us underway. Parks, break that one down for us. Yeah, and I'll come out and first say that, you know, I did tease Tampa Bay. I think it was like when I first heard about that Zach Martin news with the COVID. And that's, you know, unfortunately, we're kind of out of the COVID stages um, just a little bit. But there's going to be little, it's a lot less than it was, you know, last year. But it's going to be, you know, little brush ups with COVID. And that is Zach Martin's going to be devastating. And the fact is that it wasn't, that kind of just solidified things uh, more than it really, you know, changed anything. Because like you kind of just said, with the fans coming back, Tampa Bay's defending Super Bowl champions at home. It should be, you know, a pretty exciting environment. When you look at the way the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played kind of to end their season, they were the hottest team, you know, to finish their season, obviously, when they won the Super Bowl, but it was with Tom Brady coming in, misses a whole, you know, off season, was, you know, trying to break COVID protocols last year to just to train with his teammates and, um, you know, was trying to go on team bonding things. It was kept getting shut down by the NFL because that's how, you know, he wins is just by knowing the, his team and his players. So from bonding, with them over an entire season and being able to win the Super Bowl and then they literally brought everybody back and I saw that it's not even their top 22 players but I think it was like their top 33 players yeah I just read that today played. yeah 33 um out of, I mean 53 players so I mean you turn the bottom 20 and you, so you bring back your top 33 players that's impressive in any regard and you have all that continuity and you look at Dallas and they're going to be changing defensive coordinators you know, which may be a step up. We'll see. I I don't hate Dan Quinn, but you know he definitely fell apart as him as a head coach. And you think about Dan Quinn against Tom Brady, and you think about um, that was the head coach who lost. You know when he was up twenty eight to three in the Super Bowl. So there's obviously some familiarity there. Um, besides the fact that um, and actually Dan Quinn got fired before Tom Brady even played Atlanta with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it is that's the most recent that he's played them. But beyond that, Brady's played that cover three um, because Seattle. Dan Quinn was a guy from Seattle, and Tom Brady. He came back and won a Super Bowl against them. So, you know, he, he knows the defense and they're not going to throw different things at him other than it's going to be completely different personnel. And he keeps complaining that Micah Parsons, you know, is wearing number uh, 11 or something and it's not a linebacker number. And that's going to throw him off. But I think Brady will be completely fine. I think, honestly, I didn't talk about it on like a preseason podcast, but I think Brady's going to like have an eruption season. And when you look at how Peyton Manning, when he left for the Denver Broncos, he had a pretty good season his first year, but kind of continuity issues. And then he literally broke records his second season, um, and they added some pieces like Julius Thomas and stuff like that. But, I mean, yeah, they add, you know, Antonio Brown's in the mix for a full season. So I really think that Brady's going to come out and, like, like with this Bruce Arians offense where they could potentially be firing on all, all cylinders. And it seemed like throughout the season, Bruce gave a little, Tom gave a little. You know, it was early in the season, you know, they were getting blown out by the Saints, and it looked like neither gave any. So I think the Buccaneers are going to be firing on all, all cylinders. Um, you know, you look at the matchups, uh, you know, Chris Godwin in the slot against, uh, what's his name, Jordan Lewis, should be a big mismatch. Um, they're going to run their cover three, so, you know, there could be, you know, Mike Evans on the sidelines, you know, just because he's such a good contested catcher could get free. 
But, you know, I think the big matchup is going to be Chris Godwin there. And they should just be able to get up on them. And like I said, it's going to be hard for Dallas with that offensive line. I think they're going to try and run the football and control the clock. But Tampa Bay last season had the number one run defense. And they've kind of historically, with Vita Vea, had that number one run defense. So they're going to, and when you add in that, you know, um, Connor Williams will be starting in, uh, or not Connor Williams, uh, McGovern will be starting, but beside Connor Williams, who will be starting because Martin's out. So, you know, they're just banged up on the inside. They're not going to be able to run it well. I think they're going to have their success throwing the football. Um, we'll see because of Dak and his shoulder, but like, you know, that just adds into the fact that the Buccaneers are firing on all cylinders. You got Dak with his shoulder. You got a new defensive line. You got a banged up offensive line. Um, I think Dallas will be able to kind of, like I said, be able to put up points and kind of by the end of it, maybe not have a moral victory, but feel a little bit better about where Dak's shoulder is and how they can move the football on offense and when they can get Zach Martin back and things like that. But I think that Tampa Bay is going to come out and um, they should probably be up, you know, kind of early and, and go into cruise control. So I definitely like Tampa Bay to win this game. I could see it go over, but I think it's pretty close to the total. And I think that just all the questions with Dallas, you know, if Dallas doesn't keep up, does Tampa Bay really run up the scoreboard? Potentially not. And then you could see, you know, like that, I don't know, like 28-17 type of win, but I would see it more like, yeah, like 34-24, something like that for Tampa Bay. So that's what I would lean to is probably Tampa Bay in the over. All right. Yeah, I mean, like you talked about, you, you, even in a teaser, you can get that down past through the seven and the three. Um, that opened at six back in May, but yeah, we're looking at a few eights out there, eight and a halfs across the board. But Park's moving on to Sunday here. Pittsburgh on the road at the Buffalo Bills to get us rolling on Sunday. 453, 454 on the Vegas rotation here, Parks. This one opened at Buffalo minus five and a half. We're looking at six and a half across the board. I see one six out there, South Point and Vegas Parks. Um, TJ Watt returned to practice today for the Steelers. There's not a whole lot to report on the Bills end. Um, Emmanuel Sanders was limited in practice, but he should still be a full go. Isaiah McKenzie returned to practice in full. Um, Parks, how do you see this one going? Yeah, you know, your first thought was with the Steelers and shuffling a lot on the offensive line, heading to the road to Buffalo. Buffalo, um, so, you know, we, we're going to keep talking about the crowds, but, uh, you know, they obviously have a big crowd presence. So you could see this going one way where Buffalo could really – um, get up on the Steelers and I think one easy way for Buffalo to get up on the Steelers is that I talk about it all the time um, not many teams go four wide receivers five wide receivers but Buffalo does it more than most teams in the NFL and they have the personnel to do it with you know they've got Diggs and Sanders on the outside Beasley and uh, Gabe Davis or they could put Sanders in the slot throw Gabe Davis out to the outside as well and you look at the Steelers cornerback depth they just traded for Akella Witherspoon I mean, potentially, like, probably going to start compared to James Pierre. You know, James Pierre, Akello Witherspoon. These are the guys we're talking about as their second cornerback, I guess, because, you know, Cam Sutton will be in the slot for sure. Um, and, like, he'll move outside and inside because the Steelers, really what they want to do is run base, like, more than any team in the NFL. It's just the Bills are the exact opposite where they want to run spread and the Steelers are going to have to get into their spread personnel. And, you know, one of the things was, though, that um, – they asked Keith Butler what he was going to do about dime. And he said, he told them about the nickel defense because they're going to probably play their nickel for dime. And that means that Devin Bush is probably going to be guarding Cole Beasley more than probably people want to see it or, you know, slot receivers more than people want to see it. So 
we're going to see about that. And that's how the Bills could definitely get off to a win. But the thing is that I think they're going to have to, at least at some points, go to more max protection looks. And they're going to not be able to consistently throw on the Steelers. And it may take some time. And you look at the first two times or the last two times, Sean McDermott's 2-0 and against Mike Tomlin. That's another good thing for you know him. But in those two games... Um, this, the Bills were up 7-3 to at halftime and 9-7 to at halftime. And Josh Allen was a 54% completion passer with three uh, touchdowns, two interceptions, and he got sacked twice in both games. So when you completely break it down, you look and say that um, really, truly in both games, Duck Hodges threw a pick to Trey White that completely changed the trajectory of that game. Um, Big Ben threw a pick to Taron Johnson that went back for six, completely changed the trajectory of those games. A lot of those games were won on the fact that Pittsburgh didn't have the adequate quarterback play. It wasn't that Buffalo was necessarily racking up the points. I think Stephon Diggs will have a big game because he, he definitely, I mean, he torched Cam Sutton last season. And Sutton is, you know, expected to be one of the Steelers' best linebackers or uh, cornerbacks. So, nonetheless, but I do think that because the Steelers' pass rush with, you know, Watt, Ingram, and Highsmith, I know two it's out, but they got Hayward. And you look at the Bills' offensive line, I kind of said that I thought they were going to do a little bit more to um, improve their offensive line. So you think that they're probably going to have to slow things down, go to more max protect. I think it could take Josh Allen an entire first half to get things going. And then you look on the other side of the football and you say, all right, the Steelers have... What did they do to their offensive line? Like, okay, they have different pieces. Um, just talked about it. Dan Moore, real like a presence in the run game, run blocker. Um, Kendrick Green is going to get bullied as a pass protector at times. You know, it's going to take growing pains, but he's a um, you know throws people out the club as a run blocker. Um, you know, Trey Turner's pretty old. We'll see, but you know, made his hay as a run blocker. Um, like these guys can you know Dotson was a like he's a run blocker. Like these guys are run blockers. You know, so you think what's Pittsburgh going to do they're going to save Ben Roethlisberger they're going to try to throw it as little as possible they're going to get behind Najee what does Buffalo do with their defense I've talked about it they're a lot of they play a lot of bend but don't break in a lot of scenarios and what they typically do is they kind of allow the run because they just don't want to get beat by big passing plays and they'll just consistently they'll give you three and give you three and give you three and the Steelers are kind of like coming into this game like we're going to take three we're going to take three like they're just going to keep running the football at them and Buffalo is going to allow it in some ways but then it's going to get to the red zone and you know the Steelers are going to have to score so the way that I see it is like the first half under you know like I said maybe it's two and oh and that's you know due to regress or something like that but I just see that Allen in his first game you know COVID you know players have been out with COVID and things like that on the Buffalo Bills so his first game maybe takes a few snaps to you know get things going the Steelers do have a really good pass rushing up front and then the Steelers want to play as slow as possible and they're going to run the football as much as possible so yeah I'm looking first half under and um, I have it 24-21 Buffalo so I definitely I think the Steelers and the points are probably the way to go here um, I just I don't think that they can win the game outright but I think that they can keep it close and I do think that it's probably going to take the second half of adjustments um, Diggs getting free against this secondary, the Bills being able to play up-tempo at times by protecting Josh Allen, um, that's what it's going to take. And I, But yeah, I mean, I just think like Mike Tomlin's a really good coach. He's going to come in with a game plan to slow the game down, limit possessions. So um, I think the, the Steelers in the under taking the points, and I love the under. Like I really like the first half under for uh, that game. I like the Parks, 455, 456. Jets on the road at the Carolina Panthers. This one opened at three and a half. We're kind of in the dead zone right now. Parks five, five and a half. Pretty meaningless, meaningless number in the NFL. Um, Panthers right guard John Miller. COVID will 
not play week one against the Jets. Tevin Coleman is listed as RB1 on the Jets week one depth chart parks. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's Sam Darnold put up or shut up time, really. And, you know, he's got his old team and everything. And the fact is that, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, the Jets have this improved offensive line. They have, you know, they drafted Elijah Moore. They invested in, you know, a, a better head coach in Salah. They invested in the running game all for, you know, once Darnold is out of there. But the fact of the matter is, you know, Carolina is better than the New York Jets, you know, in terms of a roster, um, especially when you look at their offense. And you could say, OK, Carolina's offensive line, what are they really? bringing are they going to be any good you turn around and you say well, all right who's going to rush rush them on the jets quinnon williams is really good carolina's interior is better than um really their left tackle in my opinion is like carolina's huge question is their left tackle and carl lawson just tore his achilles you know so it's going to be hard for the new york jets in my opinion to take advantage of that and then you break it down and you say you know Robbie Anderson has played with Sam Darnold before, but Robbie Anderson used to be the best receiver that Sam Darnold had. Now he's got um, DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall, um, and um, they you know uh, signed Dan Arnold, and they you know drafted Tommy Tremble, who's like a blocker type of person. Who Joe Brady, I think he's a really smart offensive coordinator. I think you know I don't, I love Teddy Bridgewater, but I just feel like he maxed him out in some ways last season. And I think, you know, everybody thinks that it's crazy that they moved on from Bridgewater to Darnold. And like, I love Teddy Bridgewater. And I, I like Sam Darnold, too, from the draft. But, like, I think it is, like, like why wouldn't, like, Teddy Bridgewater's maxed out. There's, like, untapped potential in Sam Darnold. And I think Joe Brady's looking around saying that there were a lot of plays that I created deep down the field where Teddy Bridgewater took the check down instead of taking the shot and, like, Darnold's going to be taking those shots. So um, I think, I think like their receivers are probably going to have like huge games and like who's on the jets is like who in terms of a cornerback is going to stop any of those three receivers, even Marshall, the rookie. But I mean, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson um, should have huge games. And the biggest thing that I noticed was that um, they were really using DJ Moore in like the Jamar chase role, trying to get him deep down the field last season with Joe Brady coming from LSU. But the reality was that Teddy wasn't pushing the football down the field. Um, one thing that they did a lot in the preseason, at least when uh, DJ Moore played with screens, they got him involved in a lot of screens, getting the football in his hands, getting the ball out of Darnold's hands, because this is a team that feels like, like in McCaffrey, like we forgot about even talking about him. Like that's, that's huge. And like getting the ball in his hands in screens, because it's like, if you get the ball out of Darnold's hands and you don't turn the football over and you have DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, McCaffrey, Terrace Marshall, in this offensive coach, like you can, you can start to create some things, um, especially against this Jets defense. It's just terrible. That's the fact of the matter. So, um, then you know you assume, okay, but how good is the Carolina's defense? I think it could take a huge step forward. And you start to look at building blocks and what Matt Rule and Phil Snow came from Temple and Baylor together. I'm pretty sure what they've like are building now. Um, Derek Brown was the first pick from their draft class. He's like their nose tackle, D tackle. Brian Burns, who they um, inherited, is like, I think he's in for a breakout season, is going to go off this season. And he was always like, he's pretty good and he had a good yeah, season. You've last been on season. him since the draft. I remember talking about him. Yeah, right, for sure. And I love Brian Burns. So Derek Brown on the inside, Brian Burns, like, that's two huge pieces on your defensive line. Um, JC Horn, I mean, what a freaking stud. And, like, sure, he's a rookie, and he's, it's going to take growing pains, but, like, a physically dominant dude. And, I mean, Joe Horn's his dad, so it's not like this guy's going to come in to the NFL, like, overwhelmed by, 
locker room presence and handling the day to day and things like that. And that, like, I think JC Horn is like, like a building block. And that's what I keep saying. Like Brian Burns is a building block. JC Horn's a building block. Derek Brown's a building block. Jeremy Chin is a building block who they, you know, he was like a linebacker last season. They're talking about moving him back to free safety because he was taking too many hits and he's a building block because he's a playmaker. Like every, he finds the football. So between like really on all levels of the defense, because then they have Shaq Thompson at linebacker. Like people don't know about these guys, but like if you add up their athletic scores um, of all those guys, uh, Derek Brown's the only one that's like not like above 70th percentile athleticism. And like Derek Brown's like a 60th percentile athlete, but like those are building blocks in my opinion. And then, yeah, you look at the jets, their offensive line starting to get a little bit better, but it's just starting to get a little bit better. You know, Elijah Vera Tucker's going to be a rookie his first game on the road. Becton is, um, I think he is like okay for practice, but he's been in and out. And I've talked about like, he's got weight issues, which like when he looks good, he looks good because he's a mammoth of a human. But I think it takes like a lot for him to like get the weight off. And he was injured all his first season. So, I mean, I think they'll be, the Jets will be fine. But I think, you know, Zach Wilson's first start on the road against a defense that, I mean, Phil Snow, like, the thing with him that coming from college is that like he throws blitzes like he mixes things up and like he'll put Jeremy Chin like he'll put him at edge rusher he'll put him at linebacker he'll put him at free safety you know he'll do things like that and he'll probably um, put J.C. Horn on Corey Davis and have him follow him and that's like a nice introduction to the NFL for J.C. Horn he might lose a couple times but I think it's fair overall and then Dante Jackson you know uh, hopefully Elijah Moore will be healthy but it seems like he may be a little banged up but you know uh, Dante Jackson's like the short shifty cornerback so you do have like the big imposing cornerback in J.C. Horn you have the short shifty guy in Dante so I like the Panthers here I think Zach Wilson is going to struggle for the first half and I think that they'll be able to like their script in like just riding McCaffrey I remember when they had Teddy Bridgewater and they went to Kansas City last week or last season and their script was just flawless and they took Kansas City to the wire and I just said you know if they had any sort of quarterback that like just one time would just push the football down the field like Darnold doesn't have to do it all the time but like and you always say like oh he always has that one play like if he could sometimes you just need that one play and like if he could just follow the script and they could get off to a lead um, so I have a 28-17 Carolina. I think they're going to get off to a big lead. And then um, Zach Wilson, in, like he'll have a decent stat line because of garbage time, basically. Yeah, Parks moving on here. Here's the following, 457-458. Jags on the road at the Houston Texans Parks. This one opened Jacksonville. Where we at? Yeah, minus two. Um, that's really only moved up to three across the board here with Parks. Not a whole lot in terms of injuries. Um, we were talking about Bradley Roby did go from Texans to the Saints, so that rebuild just continues. Parks, um, how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, Urban Meyer's first game, and I mean, I think kind of fortunately for him that he gets a team like the Houston Texans, you know, and he gets, um, not only that, he gets Lovey Smith, um, who is the defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans and just so happened to be the head coach of Illinois in 2016. Uh, so, uh, Urban Meyer faced him three times, I'm pretty sure. And obviously, you know, when you're Ohio State and you play Illinois. But I think that's like, that's, that's like fortunate for him that he has like such a, you know, understanding of Lovey Smith, I guess. But I mean, I still like, I'm kind of like, I keep wanting to bet the Jaguars. And like, I did say, like, I took them uh, over whatever six and a half, but it's like, it's so frustrating to me, but it is like this game. If they win this game, they go one and zero, and then they have the Cardinals at home or then they have the Broncos at home, then the Cardinals at home. And then at the Bengals, 
it's like they could go three and one, four and zero, oh, like two and two, like right off the bat, you know. And that's what I keep saying is if everybody wants to say that Trevor Lawrence is Andrew Luck, like that's what Andrew Luck did. He went eleven and five his first season, and like oh, it was a soft schedule. It was the AFC South. Guess where the freaking uh, you know Jaguars are? So they need to win this game like handily in my opinion like I just I don't even have the faith to bet on them because I it's because I bet on their regular season over that it's like I'm already invested in the fact that if they don't win this then I already lost that bet in my opinion so I mean and then you look you know David Culley's not a very good head coach um the fortunate thing is that they have a decent secondary um you know uh Desmond King in the slot but still there's just like not enough to get excited about other than the fact that they have a pretty decent offensive line and Jacksonville's um, they signed a lot of interior defensive linemen because their interior got was so bad. So Houston is going to play similar to Pittsburgh, like I said, where they're just going to run the ball and play slow. Could Jacksonville let that happen? And then, you know, Trevor Lawrence gets a turnover and all of a sudden Urban Meyer is going to lose his first start potentially. But I think it's like too hard to predict. So. Um, I have it, uh, like 1916 Jaguars, just like, I don't want to bet on it. And like, there's just, there's like not much there to like get excited about because yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, like the thing was he was losing snaps to Gardner Minshew in the preseason. So I think it'll take him a little bit to get going. But like I said, if like, I don't think he's as good as Andrew Luck, so I don't think he's going to get off the gates, but like if he's as good as Andrew Luck, he'll have a huge first game. And, um, because all his receivers are healthy and Chanel will have a huge first game. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I would just rather just, uh, like I said, because if they win this, then all of a sudden, like they could potentially be two and zero, cause then they get Denver, uh, second straight road game. And, you know, so all of a sudden it starts looking fortunate. So we'll see. Yeah. I can't imagine I'll tune into that one live parks, but 459, no. 460 here, Arizona on the road at the Tennessee Titans. Um, Titans have had some COVID issues here. It looks like they have those decently under control here. Parks, um, Tennessee open two and a half. That is threes across the board there, Parks. Um, this one should be a little bit more fun than the previous game. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, should be a shootout and should be, you know, start your fantasy guys for the most part. Um, when you look at it, you know, Arizona's cornerbacks are Marco Wilson, Robert Alford, and Byron Murphy, who I kind of like Byron Murphy, but he sticks to the slot and he's best in the slot. And you think when you're facing AJ and Julio and the Tennessee Titans don't run much slot, it really doesn't matter that Byron Murphy's going to be in the slot. And even if, you know, t- the Tennessee Titans, if you want to put extra linebackers on the field, which Arizona certainly has, you put Byron Murphy on the outside. Um, Byron Murphy's under six foot tall and AJ Brown has got to have at least 40 pounds on Byron Murphy and Julio's got you know four inches and probably 30 pounds on Byron Murphy so that's where it's like you know and Marco Wilson's a rookie from Florida so he's gonna you know struggle and Robert Alford has tore his Achilles and has been out for a long period of time um the issue for those two is that Julio and AJ have been banged up a little bit so you feel a little bit you know you don't feel great about what where they are so, um, but you do think that, you know, this secondary should be susceptible, but you look on the other side and you say, you know, Jackrabbit Jenkins is going to be the starter. Um, and he, he'll probably take on, I guess, um, DeAndre Hopkins, which that's another size mismatch, um, beyond the fact that, you know, just two veterans, but I think Hopkins is going to be the one that just physically could easily win that one. And that leaves Christian Fulton because I don't think Farley is going to start the rookie. He's still banged up and all that. So leaves Fulton on AJ Green. We'll see how washed AJ Green is. I don't really start him, but it leaves Rondell Moore 
a rookie on Elijah Molden, a rookie, but Moore is a second round pick. Molden, I think, is a UDFA rookie. So, you know, big difference there, in my opinion. And the big thing was that Cliff, um, you know, I don't think Cliff is a great head coach. And I think, I think if Cliff loses this game, it's going to go downhill fast for him, to be completely honest. So, like, this is a must win for the Cardinals. Because, yeah, like I said, you know, Julio and AJ are banged up. And when you, like, really break it down, they have the better defense. He's got Kyler. He's got, you know, all these weapons. And, you know, the thing with Rondell Moore is that Cliff doesn't push the football down the field nearly, like, as good or as much as you would assume that Cliff Kingsbury, like, the air raid, Texas Tech, Mahomes slinging it, like, he doesn't do that. Like, he throws, like, vertical, like, lateral screens, like, a lot, and, like, short short passes a lot, but the fact is that that's super beneficial for Rondell Moore, and the other thing that he's like done is that he never moves Hopkins around, and I think he'll start to be able to move Hopkins around because of guys like Green and Kirk, but that still keeps Moore in a spot where he's a lot more versatile, and like, if he doesn't move more and like use more as like a huge weapon in this game, then it's just stupid, but I think uh, like the rookie is just going to go off in this game, because there's nobody on Tennessee that can really cover him, um, really, when you look at all these, you know, even, you know, Janoris Jenkins and Fulton, but they're going to have their hands full with AJ Green and Hopkins, so... I think Rondell Moore, like, it's it's funny that, you know, you're like Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, and Hopkins, and I'm like, Rondell Moore is going to have the big game here. But it is, it does feel like he's going to have a huge game. And I mean, Kyler Murray, because I think A.J., you know, if A.J. is back, then it's going to be good for Murray. Hopkins, it's going to be good for Murray. Rondell, it's going to be good for Murray. Um, you know, Tennessee's had good plans against guys like Lamar Jackson, but it is true that despite the fact that Cliff doesn't do it, Kyler is pretty good, especially on broken plays, just throwing the football down the field and having that downfield accuracy, and it helps when you have some somebody like Hopkins in that regard. So I think that he's going to have a huge game in this area. I just don't see Tennessee having the defense or the players to be able to match up with him. So um, then you look at it, you know, Tennessee's offensive line, Luan is coming off of an ACL. Their guard and center are coming. They just practice off of COVID. You know, I don't know if they're going to be healthy or not, but that like you combine that with Julio and AJ, or I think they're going to be healthy and they're going to have completely fine games. But I think that Arizona is just coming in as the better, healthier, maybe not even better, but you really just the healthier team with, you know, the quarterbacks are close enough. Um, the defense for Arizona is certainly better. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, guys like Chandler Jones, guys like, you know, my issue with um, Arizona is guys like Watt are getting, you know, older and how, how deep into the season will he go. But I think for week one against this Tennessee offensive line that's battling COVID, I think that's a situation where you could take advantage with guys like Watt and, you know, um, Hudson, their center, could take advantage of the fact that, yeah, they're a little bit older, but they're healthy. A.J. Green, a little bit older, but healthy at this point. So I think the Cardinals win, and I think it goes over. I got it 28-27. So I think, you know, all the fantasy guys will be pretty good. But I think the reality is that, you know, um, I think Tennessee's pass rush won't be able to swarm Kyler the way that the Arizona pass rush will be able to swarm Tannehill and at the end of the day they might get a stop and like I said I just feel like this game's so huge for the Cardinals especially in that division that you know it's obviously huge for Tennessee but I just think you know like I said if, if Arizona doesn't win this then they're in just a bad spot yeah Parks 461-462 Chargers on the road at Washington here opened Chargers minus two um, that's down to minus one Circus actually hang in uh, Washington minus one. In terms of player news, Eckler did not practice today. Um, that's something to monitor as we get more info on that. And then Curtis Samuel pulled up on a route in practice parks. Um, who are you favoring in this one? 
Yeah, I like Washington here. I think they are going to win. Um, and I think it is the line movement makes sense, um, not only with the Eckler decision, but I just think that, you know, I think we're giving, and I like the Chargers, I like the Brandon Staley higher, but I think it's too much respect for, the fact is that, you know, we crap on Washington for winning seven games or whatever and winning the division, and that's embarrassing, but they had the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last season. You know, they were, uh, I, I used to have the stat, they were like two and six with Haskins, and then they were like six and uh, four with the, with uh, Alex Smith and the other guy, Kyle Allen. So it was like they, like, like, they were bad last season, and Alex Smith retired, and, you know, Kyle Allen isn't starting. So, like, the upgrade from Fitzpatrick is an upgrade. Like, it, it's like, okay, up, like, how big of an upgrade is it? Like, it's huge when, even if you just go from the 32nd quarterback to the 20th quarterback, like, that's huge when you really break it down. Compared to the Chargers, what they're going to be doing is, you know, new quarterback, second-year quarterback, who's certainly getting a lot of hype, but I think a lot of people spend their summer, you know, looking into the hype and trying to you know, get at Justin Herbert. And the reality is that they're going to have this offensive line against the best defensive line in the NFL, for sure, in my opinion. You know, when you got uh, all the first-round picks, uh, you know, Young, Sweat, uh, Payne, uh, Jonathan Allen, like that's as serious as it gets. Ionitis with depth, uh, that's the best defensive line in the NFL um, right now. And you look at the Chargers in their offensive line, they got serious upgrades on their offensive line. But um, what's his name? Their left tackle's a rookie from Northwestern. Their right tackle, Bulaga, might be banged up this week. Um, their starting center, Corey Lindsley, really like that, signing for free agency. Filer, signing for free agency. The reality is, you know, those two should be good in the long term and should be fine. But, you know, new, a completely new offensive line on the road in Washington against this, you know, defensive line that should just beat the crap out of them. I think it'll take some time for the Chargers offense to like really get things going. The other thing is the Chargers added William Jackson III, which I really like that move um, to kind of solidify their secondary. It really helps move Kyle Fuller or Kendall Fuller into more of a full-time slot player. So um, he'll probably get Keenan Allen. You know, Keenan Allen will do fine against him. But being able to have Kyle Fuller in that role, it's like the ripple-down effect where it makes their defense a whole lot better. And their defense should be... Probably one of the best in the NFL, so I just think it's like it's a lot for saying that the new coach with a bunch of offensive line players are going to be favored on the road, tra traveling cross country, 1 p.m. start against this Washington football team. Like I think it's a lot to ask for the Chargers to do all this, and they feel like they're the hype team when in reality it is like you look at Washington, and you're saying they're basically it's the same hype. Like you know Justin Herbert in his second year, Chase Young in his second year. You know, um, and you know the thing with Washington's offense is that. Like, there's some dynamicism. You know, Terry McLaurin, 4'3". Antonio Gibson, 4'3". Logan Thomas is, you know, pretty athletic. Um, Samuel is may be injured, but he's 4'3". So, you just look at those three, especially with McLaurin, Gibson, and um, what's his name? Uh, Logan Thomas is the tight end. You think they have enough offensively, and I really like Antonio Gibson this season. I think that, um, like screens, things like that, they're going to get involved in a huge way. And the reality is that um, Scott Turner was the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers when they drafted K Christian McCaffrey and used him in big ways. Um, this season, Antonio Gibson, what was interesting about Gibson was that, you know, he was a wide receiver basically in college, and then they drafted him to play running back, and he didn't even catch passes his rookie season. So what I see coming, and, you know, everyone keeps saying that he didn't play third downs. He's not playing third downs. J.D. McKissick's a third down back. And what I keep saying is that when they throw a screen to him on first down, it doesn't matter who's catching the ball on third downs. You know, like, I think that they're going to build this thing around Antonio Gibson, and they have a rebuilt offensive line in some ways um, in terms of, like, Charles Leno. I don't understand why Chicago cut Charles Leno. Um, wrote about 
just like I don't get that. Um, and then right tackle, they should you know they cut Moses, but you know be, being able to get Leno and they should be able to get Cosme in there at some point. Uh, they like Rulier, their center. They like Scherf, their guard. So I think they're going to be able to run the football on a defensive line that you know has name value. And you think that with Staley getting these guys in the right position, it'll work. But in reality, it's kind of just Bosa at this point. And like Bosa will have a huge game, but I think some of the screens, I think some of the running with Gibson will be able to neutralize that. So um, yeah, I have it 27-21 Washington over the Los Angeles Chargers. And yeah, WJ3 will be on Mike Williams. So I don't like Mike Williams this week, but I do like Gibson to be able to hopefully start to prove me right that he's going to, you know, catch passes on first down. And then like, he's got the big play element that where when they're up, he could like explode for a huge run that puts games away. So that's where I really like Antonio Gibson. Yeah, it should be a good game. 463, 464, Philly on the road at the Atlanta Falcons. Open Falcons minus four. That has come down everywhere. There were some, looks like almost threes across the board. MGM's hanging a three and a half there. Parks, um, in terms of injury news, I don't really have a whole lot for your parks. How do you see this one playing out? Two pretty interesting like teams that we're going to find out as the season goes on. Exactly. It feels like a sit back and watch. And like the part of me starts to feel like I might have a, like thought that Philly's going to win this game, honestly. The more I look at it, um, and I've, it's crazy because it like goes against my wisdom, but it like because the way I think about it, it's like I think the way that I'm thinking about it makes a lot of sense here that Going into the season, I thought that Atlanta is not necessarily a bye team, but I like the fact that they lost a lot of one-score games last season. They lost a lot of close games. I think there's a regression potential for the fact that when you lose a lot of close games, I think the next season there is a chance, especially with a quarterback like Matt Ryan, that you could start winning those close games. Not only that, they improved their head coach from Dan Quinn to Arthur Smith. I guess we'll say we will see if they improved their uh, head coach, but I think that they did. So, you know, better off, better coach better situation, you know, maybe they start winning those one-score games, but, you know, then they trade Julio, it's somewhat questionable, but then you look at Philly, and, you know, I was saying, for as much as I want to buy the Atlanta Falcons, I don't want to buy the Philadelphia Eagles for what they're doing, their offensive line is old, their defensive line is old, you know, there's injury questions everywhere, um, Jalen Hurts, I just don't think they buy into him, like, with trading for Minshew, and, like, Sirianni the hire, like, I don't think that that's, like, a like I have the whole speech about like how like everyone keeps saying like well if Lamar Jackson could do it Jalen Hurts could do it but it's like RG3 was the backup not Gardner Minshew and like the dude who coached Mike Vick was the offensive coordinator not Sirianni who just got done coaching Phil Rivers you know like that's like Baltimore bought into what Lamar Jackson is Philadelphia is trying to like I don't know what they're doing Jalen Hurts and like it scares me but when you really break it down and you look at it um the team who's going to win in the trenches is Philadelphia. Like, they really are in this game. And, you know, the defensive line for Atlanta just has, like, it needs work. Like, serious work. And, like, they have, you know, what's his name in, uh, in the interior. But, um, and I know Brooks just showed up on the injury report. And that's where, like, I don't love Philadelphia because Brooks, like, these are serious injuries from Brooks. Kelsey is getting, like, seriously old. Um, the right tackle, Lane Johnson, bad back. Like, these are things that, like, I don't like to hear. But, like, Brooks was healthy until just today. And, like, I, that's where I was like, hey, if Brooks is healthy, like, but Kelsey's healthy right now. Lane Johnson's healthy right now. If, like, those boys that, like, who I think by week eight are going to be injured and it's going to fall apart for Philly, if those boys are healthy right now, 
Like, they should be able to. Atlanta shouldn't be able to get any pressure on Philadelphia. And then you look at Atlanta's offensive line and you say, you know, they just invested and invested and invested. No wonder they have a new GM because this offensive line's still bad. Like, you know, it really is. And it, you start to look at um, Philadelphia's defensive line and, you know, Barnett looks like he's, you know, starting to break out. Fletcher Cox, I keep saying, you know, similarly to the offensive guys, I'm like, how much does Fletcher have in him? But in week one, I think Fletcher, you know, big time candidate. Um, everything I read about Javon Hargrave is like, you know, the COVID year, couldn't get things together. Like this guy is going to be, you know, just a freak of nature this season, like the leading everything for the Eagles. So, you know, they should just beat the crap out of, you know, a team that they're starting a new center Atlanta is, and, you know, they're starting a rookie um, potentially at guard and you no, know, they're still not sorted out at some of these positions. So you think if Philadelphia should be able to beat them up in Philadelphia, especially with Jalen Hurts, should really, really be able to run the football. And I think Miles Sanders is going to be a, a value in DFS. Um, really like that one. I like Hurts, honestly, as a value as well. Um, Quez Watkins, the question is who's going to line up in the slot for the Philadelphia Eagles? Because you do look at the, you know, A.J. Terrell looks like he'll be pretty good. And, you know, okay, fine. But Foster Moreau and Isaiah Oliver are serious questions. And whoever gets lined up in the slot is going to have big-time you know, potential to break out. And, you know, Jalen Rager, I'm hoping for him to have a breakout season. You know, you're hearing up and down things in camp, but you're hearing that Quez Watkins may be the guy in the slot. And if they get him deep over the middle of the field, but beyond that, you got the two tight ends. Um, so that is where, you know, it kind of adds up to, I like Sanders and um, Hertz because I think Hertz with not only the throwing, but his rushing ability um, with an offensive line that should be able to overpower the um, Atlanta Falcons. I think he'll be able to get free, and that's where Sanders, because of the threat of Hurts rushing the football, should be able to explode into the secondary. And yeah, I just don't think Atlanta's defense is there, and that's where I really like the over. Because you do look and you say, you know, Matt Ryan, yes, he's going to get swarmed by this Eagles defense. This is still a bad Eagles defense, you know, and their pass rush is pretty good um, when you compare it to Atlanta's offensive line, which is probably below average. But Matt Ryan can survive this pass rush, and I, I do kind of, you know, Slay and Nelson, like, there's a chance that, you know, Steve Nelson's a, like a, a legit pickup, and Slay with a better cornerback across from him, things start to get a little bit easier, but um, Slay's going to get Calvin Ridley, and Slay's a zone corner, and Ridley with those in-breaking routes, Ridley's going to have a huge game, they're going to target the hell out of him, but Nelson will shut down, you know, Zacchaeus, um, even if, you know, they, they may put uh, Kyle Pitts out there, um, that may be a, a bit of a frustration, but the fact is that Kyle Pitts is going to dominate in the slot in this game, um, and he's going to be able to eat over the middle of the field because Alex Singleton, if you play you know, IDP, I would probably start picking up Alex Singleton because not just because like, he he's good enough that he's going to get tackles and like, interceptions and sacks, but teams are going to target him. And the Philadelphia or the Atlanta Falcons, what they do is you know, they have Hayden Hurst and Lee Smith, so they have two tight ends. And they, they're going to play those two tight ends. It puts Kyle Pitts as their big slot, and he's just going to get matched up against linebackers and things of that nature unless teams want to get into dime. But if you get into dime against Atlanta, then they're going to run the football all over you because they have two extra tight ends. It's just like I kind of said, with this Eagles front, I don't know if it's going to work out. And I think it is going to force not Atlanta to run the football, but Atlanta to throw the football. I think Kyle Pitts breaks out in a huge way, honestly. Like, he has a huge game. Like, who on Philadelphia, like, if, like, it's either Singleton who's way too slow or it's Avante Maddox who's way too small. And, or it's Steven Nelson who, you know, but you, you can't, you could move Steven Nelson into the slot and follow him. But it's, then it's, it's just asking for a lot. So I think Kyle Pitts is going to have a huge game. Um, 
And that is where I think Atlanta could come back, and that's where I say it's probably going to go over, but I have it 27-23, Philadelphia over Atlanta. Um, yeah, and I think, like I said, I think I didn't think Atlanta was going to, or Philly was going to win this game, but if I'm betting on the team winning the trenches, and like both teams want to establish the run, like they're going to run three tight ends Atlanta, like Philly should be able to run the football. I don't think Atlanta should, and that's where I think Philly probably should win the game. All right, Parks, 465-466, Seattle on the road at the Indianapolis Colts game. This one open parks, Colts minus two. That has flipped to Seattle minus two and a half. The rest would be threes parks. Um, they did, the Seahawks restructured Dwayne Brown's contract, so he should be a full go. Um, Carson Wentz was a full participant in practice today. He's going to play week one. Eric Fisher and Quentin Nelson are a little banged up, but it looks like they're going to be able to go as well, parks. Um, the thing that caught my eye here was the total opened at 52. It's down to 50. 50 or is 149 and a half. I kind of like the over there. How do you see us playing out? Yeah, I could definitely see, um, honestly, an argument for either side because I think that the Colts defense will be better than people think. And I think the thing is that um, it's setting up it's setting up for an issue for the Colts on offense. And the question is, though, is it kind of like you were kind of saying with that total drifting down, with it going from Seattle being underdogs, Seattle being favorites, is this an overreaction to the fact that Carson Wentz, we thought he was not going to play week one. Like, he's going to play week one, you know? So, like, are we overreacting the fact that in our minds, a guy that's not going to play, like, now we just have, like, Carson Wentz, like, we have a worse taste in our mouth, which makes sense. Like, Wentz isn't good to begin with, so it makes sense. But I think that maybe it's a little bit of an overreaction. The issue is I can't get behind it. And I think you could tease the Colts up to, you know, over uh, seven, you know, get them to like eight or so. I think that makes a lot of sense. But here's some issues with the Colts. They've lost seven straight um, openers, and that's going every uh, – Frank Reich has started 0-1 every year of his career – um, beyond that, Wentz is 0-4 against the Seattle Seahawks, and that includes the last time he played the Seattle Seahawks. He got a concussion in the playoffs against them, so that's unfortunate. But the reality is that he struggled against Pete Carroll in this defense, and when you combine that Frank Wright gets off to these slow starts, and when you combine that it doesn't look like T.Y. Hilton's going to play, and you, when you combine, you know, Nelson and Kelly had COVID, and Nelson just had foot surgery, and Kelly was missing practice before he had COVID. You start looking and you're saying, man, like... I like I want to say that you know Kelly's going to play, Nelson's going to play, Wentz is going to play. It's going to be fine. But then you have a lot of, you know, yeah, Wentz is a slow starter, struggles against Seattle. Reich's a slow starter, is probably going to struggle in this game. The offensive line may take a little bit. Beyond that, their left tackle, they just placed him on the IR and they're waiting for Eric Fisher to come back and so their stopgap, they had to place on the IR. So they're down to left tackle option number 3. And they're starting um the record also is like uh they're, they're one in 9 career with without TY Hilton, which you can't really say because this season they kind of are not relying on T.Y. Hilton, and they just signed him because he was so cheap and unsigned. So, but they're one in nine without T.Y. Hilton, and they have a, um, a really bad record without Anthony Costanzo, who retired. So, you know, you don't want to say that like that that's going to haunt them, but like it feels like it's casting a shadow over them, and that's what kind of makes me say that I'd rather get the Colts with the eight and a half and say that it's an overreaction then I would want to bet the Colts um but you do look and you say that offensively I still kind of think you know Frank Reich and the Colts should have some success you know despite the fact that Wentz has struggled against them um I don't know how many of those I don't think any were with you know I know three of those were when Frank Reich left 
the Philadelphia Eagles already. So I don't know if Frank Reich, he may be 0-1 against Seattle with uh, Carson Wentz as his starter. Still, you got, um, you know, their starting cornerbacks are DJ Reed, uh, Trey Flowers, and then Marquise Blair, who's like a safety type. Um, and the reality is that Marquise Blair is going to get lined up with Paris Campbell. And Paris Campbell's big thing has been he just can't stay healthy. But every time he plays, he's insanely electric. In his first game last season, I think he tore something. But he had a huge first game before he tore it. And I think he's going to have a huge first game again. And I think that the easiest way to get this offense unsettled is a quick pass to Paris Campbell where he can explode up the middle for, you know, extra points. And I think uh, DFS, you know, big time value, Paris Campbell. So that is where I think they could, you know, potentially uh, have some scoring in this game. Then, yeah, you look at Seattle and you say that, you know, what are they going to do offensively? You know, what is their game plan with Shane Waldron, their new offensive coordinator? Are they going to be that up-paced team that, you know, people keep saying they're going to be? Or was it that they fired um, Schottenheimer because they want to run the ball like Pete Carroll has always wanted? So I think they're going to throw the football more. But, yeah, like I kind of said, I think the Colts' defensive line is particularly underrated, especially in their interior, where I don't think Seattle really has a lot of help. And they just got Dwayne Brown back to practice, um, but he's a tackle there. And I think that, you know, Buckner and Grover Stewart are going to have um, a lot of success pushing the pocket for Russell Wilson. Of course, that's kind of when Wilson's at his best. You know, you can turn his back, spin, get out of the pocket, make plays like that. But, you know, that's where we'll hopefully see the impact of a rookie like Quiddy Pay, you know, protecting the edge and things like that. You look at the um, cornerbacks and you say, you know, Xavier Rhodes against DK Metcalf. On one hand, that could be a huge mismatch because DK is so much faster than Xavier. But Xavier is like as strong as DK, which not many people are. And Xavier is probably going to, you know, punch him, you know, literally. And the fact that the Colts, the way that they play defense is that they bend but don't break in a lot of ways. And they keep everything in front of them with their safeties. So I think when you put Xavier jamming DK and you add the safety help over the top. At least they have a plan for him. Kenny Moore is their slot cornerback, but I could see him shifting and playing uh, Tyler Lockett a lot. TJ Carey playing Tyler Lockett a little bit. So I like Lockett more than DK um, just based on the matchup. But yeah, I don't know. I think the total is honestly about right. The, the more I kind of break it down and think that there are there's potential that um, Seattle's defense in their secondary has serious flaws and gets exposed, but all those questions of Wentz kind of have me paused, and then Seattle's offense could obviously take off at any time, but I think that the Colts' defense being underrated and them having kind of stylistic cornerbacks that fit the matchup, um, I do have Seattle winning here, but yeah, 24-23, so I think it is right about in that, in that like, under, like, close to that range, yeah. Yeah, Parks, and then this next one here, speaking of questions, 467, 468, Minnesota on the road at the Cincinnati Bengals Parks. This one open two and a half in favor of the Vikings. That is up to three and a half in some spots, threes everywhere else. Um, looking at the Vikings here, they did end up resigning Everson Griffin. Um, Parks, I got some questions for you about this Bengals defense. Trey Waynes is not going to play, um, so... Does that mean Eli Apple is going to be on Thielen or Justin Jefferson? That's it. Yeah, that's going to be oh, pretty. Buddy. Yeah, that's going to be an issue there. So, um, yeah, you start with that, and then you got, you know, um, beyond him, Cheeto Wuzier, I kind of talked about. I thought the downgrade from Cheeto, from William Jackson to Cheeto, was not worth the money that they saved, in my opinion. Like, they might as well have just, like, not paid somebody if they wanted to, like, down, you know, like, what were, why would they have downgraded but still paid the money that they paid a Wuzier? So it's like, what are you going to do? And that, that's where, you know, the, Cincinnati is truly the team that I want to watch more than any team because 
their offense, Joe Burrow, with those receivers, should be able to fire on you know a few cylinders here, but I just don't trust Zach Tiller, and I just don't trust that offensive line, and that's where I have a hard time investing in Cincinnati, and a part of me says that, you know, why should Minnesota be favored on the road when you look at Minnesota, their starting left tackle is going to be out for this game, you know, Dara saw who they drafted. Um, is out for this game. So they're looking at Rashad Hill at right tackle. And, you know, they were looking at Riley Reef, who is, you know, was, was their starter last season. Now he's on the Cincinnati Bengals this season. So, you know, Minnesota and they're starting, you know, uh, they have issues on their interior as well. The Minnesota Vikings do. So part of me says that, you know, they're going to be on the road. The fans are going to be fired up. Joe Burrow's first game, you know, he could come out throwing a little bit. And when you look at, could Cincinnati's pass rush get after Minnesota a little bit? Potentially. My big issue is that, yeah, with those cornerbacks on those receivers and then Minnesota's ability, obviously, to run the football, you know, Gary Kubiak retired, but Clint Kubiak is the offensive coordinator. You assume they're going to run the same plays and be able to run the football. And then you got Mike Zimmer, who, you know, really has no ties to the Cincinnati Bengals, but um, he lives like near Cincinnati because he was with Cincinnati for so long. And he was their defensive coordinator when their defense was really good under Marv Lewis um, before he took the Minnesota job. Um, so there's a little bit of a revenge factor, in my opinion, for Zimmer. And Zimmer also is just like a great coach. And he is a coach that I, like kind of said, you know, he's a coach that, well, apparently, I mean, he can't seem to get Kirk Cousins. Um, like, he seems so mad at Kirk Cousins for that uh, that virus thing. It's funny, listen, because I knew, what's so funny is I knew Zimmer hated Kirk Cousins way before they have different opinions on the virus. And now that I know that they have, like, completely different opinions on the virus, I think it's hilarious to listen to Mike Zimmer talk about his quarterback. But nonetheless, like, um, I think Mike Zimmer's like a serious, uh, besides the fact that he can't get his team to take the shot, I think that he's a seriously good leader of men and he can get them, you know, to Cincinnati um, and like walk away with a win over, you know, a poor coach in Zach Taylor, in my opinion. So um, you do look and you say that, you know, this, the Vikings defensive line should be like seriously upgraded from what it was last season. Um, Daniil Hunter sat out all of last season with, you know, whether it was an injury or something weird or whatever. Michael Pierce opted out last season. They traded for Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, they drafted on their defensive line. Like their defensive line should be seriously better than what it was. And you add in the fact that Cincinnati didn't do enough on their offensive line, in my opinion. And, you know, their rookies are struggling and they're trying to start some of them. And it's just not working out the way that you know, I don't know the way that I thought it is. It's going exactly how I thought it was going to go when you did what Cincinnati did. So I think Minnesota's in like, they're getting bar back. You know, um, they added Patrick Peterson, which I'm like, whoop de doo You know, you could have did a little bit better than that Zimmer. But I think, you know, he he adds enough to their, and they added Breland, which is pretty good. And they got Mackenzie Alexander back. So, you know, I do like Cincinnati's receivers. You know, I don't think that, I would assume Patrick would follow um, Chase, Jamar Chase in this one. I'm not sure though. And then you got Breland against T Higgins because then you have kind of the size length, but then you have like, uh, I just think you need Patrick Peterson to follow Chase. And then you have um, Boyd on Mackenzie Alexander, obviously, and they know each other from practice, but I do like them all in those matches. Obviously, like I said, like we both said, you know, Thielen and Jefferson should be the ones who go off in this game. And that's where you say, you know, Minnesota losing a left tackle and being on the road despite that and despite Cincinnati's defensive line probably having some success. 
the cornerback mismatch, the offensive line versus Minnesota's defensive line, um, the fact that I just don't think Zach Taylor is a good coach at all, you know, and he's facing Mike Zimmer, who I think is just a brilliant coach, you know, and they're just, and, you know, Kirk Cousins, as much as you want to hate him, you know, doesn't lose games typically. And, but, and yeah, I mean, Burrow's first game off the ACL, I'm sure it'll take some time for him to get adjusted. So this is another one that I could see the first half under coming into play. Um, because I just think, I think Minnesota is going to struggle because, you know, Cousins with this offseason and with no left tackle and on the road and Cincinnati's defense is a little revitalized. I think he'll struggle early into the game, but with those weapons on offense, there's just no way that you can hold them down. That's true on the other side for Cincinnati, but I think there's there's too many flaws holding them down. So I do like, uh, I think I have it uh, 27-21 Minnesota in this game. All right, Parks, 469, 470. San Francisco on the road at the Detroit Lions. This one opened. San Francisco laying a touchdown. The hook has been added everywhere across the board. Seven and a half parks total. 47 has been bet down to 45 or even is a 44 and a half out there. Parks Jimmy G was listed as the starter on the depth chart this week. Parks um, Brandon Ayuk returned to practice today. D Ford, who they weren't even expecting to play this week, said he'll be on a pitch count. But, um, you know, those are pretty much free reps. They weren't expecting to have him this week. DeAndre Swift, full participant in practice today for the Lions. But, you know, the first game for Jared Goff um, without Sean McVay holding his hand parks. How do you see this one going? Right, and I do, you know, what a great start for Jimmy G to be able to play, you know, this kind of rebuilding team to kind of, you know, solidify whether – you know, the way I kind of see it is that he could kind of have that Alex Smith one last run or kind of the Joe Flacco where, you know, and I think it's going to go Joe Flacco in some ways where, you know, in week three, Lamar Jackson was not starting, but Lamar Jackson was on the field for, you know, he was taking a few snaps and taking a few snaps. And, you know, I think they're going to mix Trey Lance in, but I think it's going to be slow. And I think because of his finger thing, I don't know if they'll do it too much against Detroit because you can kind of in some ways powered down Detroit. I know, you know, they've invested a lot in their defensive line and offensive line, but um, their defensive line's still a little young in my opinion. And with all the, what Shanahan does, you know, he doesn't really um, power you over with his run scheme anyways. So I think Moster is going to have a huge game in this one. You know, I don't think they have the linebacker play whatsoever um, to really kind of catch him in the open field. And then Debo, you know, when he does those little side, um, you know, uh, lateral type of runs and things like that. I think he could have some success in this one, but I think a lot of it is going to be San Francisco kind of just running the football, playing power football in, you know, one of those games where, yeah, Jimmy throws it, you know, 15 times and he's 12 for 15, kind of just keeps his team in the game and keeps things rolling. And yeah, you look to um, Jared Goff, the reality is that um, he's actually lost four straight games to Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, Robert Sala was obviously def the defensive coordinator. But like you said, that was when Sean McVay was his offensive coordinator. He's lost four straight. And that comes with four touchdowns and four interceptions in those four games. And yes, Robert Sala's gone. D'Amico Ryan is the new defensive coordinator. Really like him. What's crazy is um, he was in college when I was like 13 years old. So he's a defensive coordinator now. Uh, he was at Alabama and was like really good at Alabama and then was on the Texans. But he's just, he was always a smart linebacker. And now, you know, he was under Salah for years. So I think Ryans will have, you know, he'll be completely fine, especially against Goff, a person that he knows. And um, 
the thing that's going for uh, the Lions is that I like their offensive line. I think it's like has the potential to be really good next season. Like I think it has the potential to grow into a good offensive line as the season goes. And I think what Detroit is going to do because they have like no receivers, um, they're just going to run the football and they're 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 going to build their offensive line. So both teams are going to run the football. Both teams are going to play slow. Um, I don't think Goff's going to be able to throw the football well. Uh, so I have it 24-7 San Francisco here. Where, yeah, I mean, I just think San Francisco, like I said, play slow, and I don't think like they're going to surrender. I don't think Detroit's going to surrender, but I think it's going to be hard for them, and I think that they're going to run the football despite trailing in some ways because I think it's going to be hard for them to establish things. Swift is banged up, but I think Swift's going to play, and like he may be their leading receiver this season. So, Yeah, Parks, moving on to 425 here, 471 and 472 Browns on the road at the Kansas City Chiefs Parks. Looking at this line, open at 6, it really hasn't moved. Um, Some places actually have moved down to 5.5 in favor of the Chiefs here, Parks. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire practiced in full for week one against the Browns, so he should be a full go, Parks. Um, This should be a really good game. How do you see it playing out? It should be, and it's the one that I would not tease. You know, if I was looking for someone, we still haven't gotten to the one that I would tease with the Bucks or anything, but I wouldn't tease Kansas City, and I would take the Cleveland Browns. I think they're going to win the game, to be completely honest. I really do. Um, I think they're going to cover for sure because I think they're going to win, and I've talked about it on um, the, the preview podcast where I said I think that Cleveland is, you know, serious team to, you know, go far in this season, and I think they pushed the Kansas City Chiefs to the brink I know Mahomes got banged up in that game last season, but they pushed him to the brink, and the reality is that while Kansas City got a little bit better and they rebuilt their offensive line, Cleveland, I kind of talked about, they got a lot better, and um, they should be a lot better this season than where they were last season, especially it's going to come on defense with you know guys like Greg Newsom, guys like JOK, guys like Clowney, guys like... Um, they're even getting like Malik McDowell, who was like a former first round pick who, you know, fell off the face of the earth and came back. Like they're get they have serious um, potential to play like really good defense. And you look at the Kansas City Chiefs and you say with their offensive line um, made a lot of changes. Um, I think we're going to like we're going to see how it all fits together, you know, especially in terms of um, Brown Jr. was, you know, he first off, he was a right tackle for the Ravens. And now he's playing left tackle. And second off, that's a running offense versus, you know, Lamar and Mahomes are completely different quarterbacks with how they navigate the pocket, with how stylistic they are. Um, I think it's going to take time for a guy like Orlando Brown. Right tackle, I think Kansas City still has serious questions at right tackle. Um, and that's, you know, that's Miles Garrett and Clowney zone. You know, those are situations where I think that Kansas City could get taken advantage of in some ways. The biggest issue I have with Kansas City is that they're obviously going to be well prepared because um, Andy Reid is an excellent head coach. But I do think Kevin Stefanski, like, and I think, you know, like it just, the playoff loss to Kansas City lingers for me for Cleveland because it, like, they, like, came close. And, like, I didn't even, like, have a, I did have a fight, like, because I bet on the Browns, but they covered, like, it didn't matter to me if they won. But, like, there was, like, there's, like, a feeling of, like, they should have won that game. And, like, I feel like they're going to, like, like, they have this game circled way more than Kansas City does, despite the fact that, it's a home opener, and they're really good at home. And Andy Reid, with all that time to prepare, I think that helps them. But then, yeah, you look at some of the cornerback. You know, um, Denzel Ward, extremely fast, could obviously take on um, Tyreek Hill. Mikael Hardman, like I don't get it. He's not good. <laughs> like he doesn't even play. Like I don't know why people are like still like talking about Mikael Hardman, like he's somebody, nobody. 
Demarcus Robinson plays over Michael Hardman, so he'll get Greg Newsom. And like Demarcus Robinson isn't that great. So you look and like their passing attack is really conducive to Travis Kelsey. But I just talked about, you know, John Johnson, uh, JOK, uh, you know, uh, they're hoping Grant Delpit's going to play. But either way, um, Ronnie uh, Harrison's in there. You know, they have a lot of guys who n- no, no one's going to shut down Travis Kelsey. But they, ha- they have the bodies to throw at him. And they have that pass rush that could consistently get after him. And then you look at, okay, the cornerbacks for the Browns match up pretty well. Mike Hughes, who they just traded for because Minnesota just gave up on him, is going to take on Jarvis Landry. Um, Jerry Sneeds is pretty good, but he's getting Odell, who you know people are saying is looking springy and all that. Traverius Ward with a little bit of DPJ. And you think and you say that the Browns are going to play heavy anyways with their tight ends, Austin Hooper and Njoku, and you know, even the other guy. So it's going to put the linebackers. Um, Willie Gay, their prize linebacker, the Chiefs, they just put him on the pup. So... Um, you look and you know guys like Ben Neiman, and the other thing is Juan Sorensen. Their safety is back up to Dan Sorensen again, which like they're gonna pick on him with Jarvis Landry and uh, Kareem Hunt, and they're gonna run with Nick Chubb. And like I think you know it, it's Patrick freaking Mahomes, so like it's crazy to like go against him in some ways, but it is you know they just came off a Super Bowl loss. They rebuilt pretty much their entire offensive line. I don't think it's going to just gel together completely instantly. And the Browns are like gelling and like, they look pretty healthy on a lot of cylinders and like they can run the ball with ease. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, it looks like he's going to start, but he's a little bit banged up. I think, yeah, like the chiefs are kind of like still licking their wounds a little bit from the Super Bowl, Whereas the Browns are like motivated and circled this game. So I think the Browns are going to win 31, um, 27. I think the over is going to be big time as well. And um, yeah, I think it's like a statement game for Cleveland because especially if you look at their schedule, um, it really softens up and like all of a sudden you could look up and they could be like six and one here. So um, definitely, I I think this is a huge game for Cleveland. I think they're going to win. All right, Parks, I like that one. 473-474, Miami on the road at the New England Patriots here. Hunter Henry says he expects to play week one. Ramon J. Stevenson dislocated his thumb. There is optimism that he'll be able to play. Um, Aguilar was limited in practice today, but that's probably just precautionary. Um, Austin Jackson on the reserve COVID list. It's going to be crunch time to see if he's able to you know, start a left tackle for them on Sunday parks. That'll be an interesting one to follow. Um, I don't have a whole lot else for you parks. Looking at the line here, open Patriots lane two and a half. That has been ticked to three everywhere across the board. Total 45 and a half has been bet down to 43 and a half parks. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I like the Patriots in the under. And um, I've talked about how I think the Patriots are going to finish higher than Miami, whether that's like a controversial take or not. Like a lot of people, I think, do kind of think it is. I think we're overreacting to, you know, kind of one season in terms of New England kind of falling off, but getting a lot of their defensive players back, getting um, Barrymore back, and just, you know, I think Mac Jones, like, I don't, I don't, I've never been on, like, the Mac Jones is bad. Like, I love Trey Lance. Like, I was all about Trey Lance. Like, I've assumed that San Fran was going to take Trey Lance. But that almost, like, skewed the perception of Mac Jones to, like, that he's bad or something. When, like, And what I kept saying was, you know, everybody kept saying about Mac Jones. What cracked me up was, you know, well, he was a one-year breakout with a bunch of first-round receivers and a bunch of offensive linemen. Sounds and, like Burrow. 
Yes, thank you. That sounds like Joe Burrow, which, I, you know, it sounds like Tua Tagovailoa, except, you know, Tua's got a little more starts under him. But, like, Tua had the same situation, and everybody says that Mac Jones is better than Tua. At least, like, Jalen Waddle, who plays with Tua, when they interviewed him, he said he liked Mac Jones's ball a little bit more. So I feel like, you know, it's those two against each other. Um, I don't think, like, there's a huge advantage other than, you know, and I know, you know, Flores knows Saban, Belichick knows Saban, they all know Saban, but, you know, I think that, I think I just think that like they could stop Tua in some ways more than they could stop Mac Jones. There's just like more out there in some ways. But I think the reality is just dominating the trenches. You know, like New England that defensive line. Like I said, you know, getting um, Hightower back and getting Barrymore and adding uh, Judon, who like you just said, the starting left tackle for the Miami Dolphins. They passed on Sewell because their starting left tackle Austin Jackson. Well, he's out for COVID and they don't have a great backup now. So you know, Judon's going to be coming after him, and you know. Um, yeah, they just have a huge advantage because, you know, they were still, they don't have a real answer at right tackle. They haven't figured that out yet. Um, and left guard is they're still shaking up Miami. So it's like New England has a defensive line where they're going to rotate eight guys and Miami has two locked in starters and a bunch of question marks on their offensive line. That's where I'm like, and then you add in the blitzing, you know, and you add in that Winovich and Uche and, you know, um, uh, what's it called? They got the other linebacker, not Hightower, um, Vanoy, you know, they, all these guys are back that you're like, he's going to blitz the hell out of Tua. They're just going to dominate them in the trenches. That's going to be frustrating. You know, it's in New England. Going to be a tough one. You know, the fans are going to be back and rowdy just thinking, you know, they're buying the Mac Jones hype and everything like that. And yeah, I mean, Mac Jones, whether you think he's going to be great or not, he probably is going to struggle a lot in his rookie season, but he takes care of the football. You know, that's the thing with him and that, you know, everybody kept saying for weeks and weeks, oh, well, he doesn't have the ceiling of Trey Lance, but he's got that floor. It's like that floor is going to come in in day one and protect the football. And that's why Bill Belichick, who, you know, doesn't like starter. And I think Cam Newton's COVID status, you know, Belichick said that, you know, it didn't have an impact. But then Urban Meyer said that it did have an impact and Urban Meyer got sued or whatever. So, of course, Belichick didn't say that. You know, if if Cam Newton doesn't miss five days because he broke the rules, leave COVID out of it, he broke the rules and missed five days. Think about that. Like, Bill Belichick's going to cut, a lo- or not cut a lot of people, but like, if you're a backup quarterback and you break the rules, you're cut. And that's what happened. And he, Mac Jones was good enough in those five days that he broke the rules that Bill said, I'm comfortable that he's not going to turn the football over. And here's the kicker. I'm comfortable that he's just going to turn it and hand it off, hand it off, hand it off, and hand it off because they're going to dominate them in the trenches, in my opinion. You know, Miami is, Jalen Phillips is a rookie. I like him starting to get going. They don't have enough up there, physically up there, in my opinion. You know, they got a Landon Roberts, who New England tossed aside because they wanted Van Noy, who Miami tossed aside. But I like Van Noy as way more of a physical presence. And I think Landon Roberts, New England's pointing him out every play, like, we're going right at him. We're going right at him. And they're just going to run and run and run. And the fact is, yeah, Damian, Ramondre Stevenson, um, they got what's his name too. Uh, the other guy, I forget his name now. But either way, they got, you know, they have a lot of running backs and they have the two tight ends. And like their offensive line is built to run the football like heavily. So, you know, Will Fuller's out for this game. I know Stefan Gilmore's out, but that kind of cancels out the Will Fuller. J.C. Jackson is good enough, especially, you know, Waddle may break, you know, for a player here or there. But with all those safeties and everything in the secondary that Belichick has, I think it's going to be hell for Tua. Um, And yeah, I just think that like the defensive line dominance and the offensive line dominance is going to show in this game, especially for, like I said, I mean, I think Tua and Mac Jones, like what they both do is protect the football. And that's why I think it's going to be like a low scoring. I think you could really rely on the under in that way that the only turnovers are going to be whether Belichick can get to Tua. Cause I think Mac Jones 
like Bill's going to have the, you know, kitty gloves on and everything, and they're going to play it safe, and they're going to run the football a lot, but that plays to the under, and it plays to Mac Jones, in my opinion, won't turn the ball over in his first start. So I love New England to win this game. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. Their cornerbacks for Miami are tough, but that's where they're just going to run the football like crazy, and that's where I love Damian Harris um, more than any of their receivers. Yeah, and there has to be some regression to the mean for the Dolphins' turnovers last year, leading the league in turnovers. Park a little bit turnover luck there. Looking at the next one here, Parks, 475, 476. Denver on the road at the New York Giants. Noah Fan returned to practice on Monday, Parks. Looking over at the other side here, Saquon was limited. That's probably just maintenance. Um, who knows if Kadarius Tony's going to play? He probably is going to. They expect him to be a big part of the offense. Um, Evan Ingram is most likely going to be out. Parks looking at the line here. Giants open one point favorites. Broncos on the road are now favored by three. One book is still trailing two and a half here. Parks total. 43 is now down to even 41 and a half in some spots parks. Uh, would you play anything in this one? Yeah, I already took Denver. So, I mean, if you can still find under three, it'd be nice. Um, I think that'll be fine, but I think they win by, you know, three or more, but I think they win handily to be completely honest. And I think that you saw that a lot of these changes in the line came from recent events, you know, Teddy over Drew Locke, whether you think it's, um, the upgrade or not necessarily the fact is that you know and everybody kind of have said it already drew lock can win you games but he will lose you games teddy will not lose you games that's just the facts of the matter and that's where denver is that they just need a quarterback who will not lose them the game especially against the giants and i think knowing that denver has a quarterback who won't lose them the game is just super beneficial in this spot and you know teddy's like his ats record is insane because he ever you know people doubt him in the players around him but and that's where you know like i kind of said with carolina they were great against the spread but they weren't winning games because like he keeps teams in games and he doesn't lose games but sometimes he doesn't go above and beyond and win the game the giants just aren't good enough right now there's just so much bad for the giants right now you know saquon like you said um he'll be fine but first game off the ACL, I think they're going to go somewhat easy on him, especially when you add in that Denver, this front is legitimate. Um, I think this whole team, you know, their defense is very legitimate. But yeah, it starts up front with some of those big guys. Um, and then, you know, obviously Vaughn and Chubb on the outsides. And, you know, beyond the fact that Saquon may be limited and may struggle in this game, you just look at their offensive line and say, Andrew Thomas had a bad first season. And now he's, you know, um, it's probably going to be Chubb is he who he's taken on and you know he had a bad preseason they're starting Solder who um has never played right tackle or hasn't for years um and he also opted out last season you know and he's at right tackle taking on Vaughn that's going to be tough their interior is still shuffling we don't necessarily know who's going to start at left guard although you know we think we know who's going to start at left guard just bad pieces on the offensive line Saquon's still not in the mix Galladay I don't know the last time Galladay's practiced in full like I'm talking about last year week six maybe it's like the last time Getty Galladay's practice in full and like he's he didn't have I think he had some sort of hip something but you know and Kenny Galladay is one of those guys who's like he's already 28 it took him till he was like 24 to get into the league he went you know from a junior college to northern Iowa never had a quarterback and just like sat out all offseason to cash a huge check and was looking for one team to give it to him and it was the New York Giants and I don't think he's practicing full for them yet I'm dead serious with this hip thing that like I'm not saying Kenny Galladay is just like trying to cash the checks but like that's not who I would bet on this season especially for week one to be you know and it's whether it's his hip or his hamstring you know he's 
And that's where I'm like, that's just, that's so shady for me that Galladay, that, you know, like I said, I, I knew that he gave up on the Lions because, you know, who cares about the Lions? And he was heading into free agency. But the fact that he started his tenure with the Giants like this, I'm like, ooh, that's bad. And Kadarius Tony hasn't practiced either. And yeah, like you said, he's going to be a huge part of their offense. They have not practiced with him. And like, well, who's the genius running this whole thing? Jason Garrett is the freaking offensive coordinator. So it's like, you think Jason Garrett with no Evan Ingram, Kenny Galladay's not practicing, Kadarius Tony with, you know, a limited here and there, that's all, and Saquon barely practicing, that's all not going to come together on the fly with a struggling offensive line against the Denver Broncos defense who, like I kind of said, they can beat you up front, but they have the cornerbacks too. Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, Bryce Callahan, and the ninth overall pick, Sertain, who, you know, might be the best of them all. So, going to be really tough for the New York Giants in their home opener in this one, I love Vic Fangio. I think he's a, like the thing with Vic Fangio is that like, and what's an issue with Vic Fangio is that they're not going to max out because he's going to play so conservative to keep his job. And like they're not going to max out, but they're going to win like enough that he's going to keep his job because their team's so good. And you know they got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, um, KJ Hamler, who I think is in for a big season. You know this year. Um, the Giants have pretty good cornerbacks overall, but I don't trust Dory Jackson. I think they gave him way too much money. I really like Jerry Judy with Teddy Bridgewater. The timing aspect, the short routes that he was hitting Robbie Anderson, in my opinion, are going to go to Jerry Judy. Um, I think he takes off in this game. And I mean, not really, because like the Giants are going to... The Broncos' offensive line is obviously their weak point, and like, they just drafted Javante Williams, so they should be able to run the football in some ways. They have Melvin Gordon. Their offensive line's taken, like, ever since Munchak went from, you know, went from awful to, like, it's respectable now. Like, you're projecting in some ways, but, like, Bowles, like, Munchak turned Bowles around, like, crazy. And, like, they just drafted um, their right tackle, and they just drafted, um, you know, a guard. And they have, uh, you know, they're hoping for Cushenberry, their center, to take a step forward. And, you know, Risner's really good. So it's like, they're taking some steps forward in terms of their offensive line. And they're all Munchak guys now. So, um, and, you know, they just traded, uh, the Giants just traded one of their defensive linemen. Which, they do have depth, and that's not an issue. And they should be able to, in a lot of ways, control Denver. But... Bridgewater's not going to turn the ball over. I think Jones is very susceptible to turning the football over. Um, Denver's defense is better. Denver's offensive line is better. Um, and yeah, I think, like I kind of said, I think there's a lot more on the line for, like, Denver knows that they need to win this game, whereas I don't I don't even know what's going on in New York. So um, I have a 21-10 Denver, um, an under game for sure, because I just don't see how the Giants, with all these questions on offense, and, like, this is a defense, in my opinion, like, this isn't, Denver's defense isn't as good as when they won the Super Bowl, but like I think they come in with a swagger that they think that like they think that they can lead a team, like their defense can lead a team to the playoffs. So I think they come in and beat down the Giants, who I think are overrated anyways. Alright, Parks, yeah, I'm skipping across the rotation here, just to keep things in order. 43-44 Packers against New Orleans Saints. Games being played in Jacksonville. This one opened minus one and a half in favor of the Saints. Obviously, you took away home field advantage there, Parks. Um, but this has ticked up to even four and a half in one spot for Green Bay. Fours across the board. Other than that, Parks, um, how do you see this one going? Um, you know, it's going to be interesting with Jameis, a quarterback for the Saints. I know you weren't crazy about Kamara when we talked about fantasy, but how do you see this playing out? 
Right, and I'm a little more optimistic about Kamara considering, you know, I really didn't want Taysom Hill to be the starter and just take away all his rushing touchdowns, you know. But, you know, he's still the issue with Kamara in terms of overall is that, you know, Taysom's like he's a gadget player now like he's not a quarterback he's a gadget player who's still going to take rushing away from him you know whether you like it or not so there is that respect but I do think that because they're like a more foundational offense with Jameis I think it helps Kamara and I think Green Bay is another team that similar to you know some of these teams like Buffalo really invites teams to run on them in lieu of like they would rather defend the pass than let teams they would just give up ground so I think you know in the Saints when you look at their offensive line you say that the one way that they can win the game is by overpowering Green Bay so I think there's a chance and like this is the game that like we're going to find out whether Kamara like can he grind between the tackles because Lat Murray's gone so is Tony Jones if Tony Jones is the grinder between the tackles he's valuable in fantasy if Kamara does it all then I was just wrong about Kamara basically it's like fortunately we'll find out pretty quickly and like I almost want to play Kamara in DFS just off the fact that Green Bay invites it they cut Lat Murray um they have this Tony Jones guy who like we don't know enough about but like the way that they can beat Green Bay is to slow this game down and to run the football and to protect Jameis from turning the football over. And they do add a little bit of spark down the football field because of Jameis. But yeah, there's just so many proponents, you know, like you kind of said with the stadium and, you know, now they're, you know, somewhat on the road, but not really. But in, you know, his first start and like Michael Thomas isn't there and Adam Troutman's now out, you know, so your tight end and receivers banged up. And I know Callaway looks pretty good, but it's still tough for me to like get behind the Saints in this spot. Other than, you know, like, Jameis could come out and throw, and they could be motivated, you know, due to this hurricane and stuff, and that's where, like, there's a huge stay away from me, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers, it annoys me that he um, is doing this whole, um, the Michael Jordan thing that, like, you lost in the NFC Championship the last two years, you didn't win the last two Super Bowls, Michael Jordan won the last two NBA championships, and then his team didn't want him, and then he won his third straight NBA, like, he lost the last two NFC Championships, and he's pretending he's Michael Jordan, like, that annoys me, but, like, he's still really good so he's gonna like he's motivated based off like he thinks he's Michael Jordan or something so like he's gonna go off but the reality is for them is that Bakhtiari is out and when Bakhtiari went out against Tampa Bay Jason Pierre-Paul had Rodgers sitting on his butt and losing at home in the NFC Championship you know and the issue with them is that you know first off Davenport looks like he's in for a big season and he's gonna take on Bakhtiari so you know, not Bakhtiari, but it's Elton Jenkins, who, you know, the thing is, though, Elton Jenkins was their starting guard, so now their starting guards are worse, because their starting tackle is somewhat better, so, um, the issue, though, is that Onyemata's out, um, for the Saints, and, like, they're banged up on their interior already, so it's like, how much can they take advantage of a Packers weak interior, and how much are the Packers want to get behind their interior and run A.J. Dillon, you know, because Aaron Jones isn't going to run between the tackles very much. So I think Rodgers will have some success against a team that just traded for their second cornerback, Bradley Roby, even though he's suspended. Um, Marshawn should follow Devontae Adams, but Marshawn's had, you know, issues this season. Or he even, I don't think he's suspended, but he's facing, you know, issues um, as well. MVS is going to face, whether it be Paulson Adebo or Ken Crawley, um, they're talking like MVS is going to finally break out. Um, I would play him in DFS. Um, and then Chauncey Gardner-Johnson against Cobb. Um, I don't like that one. So MVS is the big one. And that's where, like, I don't like... Like, I don't like that Rodgers doesn't have his left tackle. I don't like that, like, he doesn't have great offensive mismatches. But it's him and Adams and Jones. And it's, you know, Jameis, like I said, with the Saints, with Anyamata's out. And um, 
what's his name, Michael Thomas and Troutman, and you know, a new quarterback, and now they have to travel, and they thought they were going to be home. It's enough to scare me off. Um, I have a 27-24 Green Bay because I don't have you know the balls to really take either side on it. So yeah. All right, Park Sunday Night Football, Chicago on the road at the LA Rams, 479-480 on the Vegas rotation here. Parks, the Rams open six and a half point favorites. That is up to seven and a half. Um, let me see here. McVeigh said Sonny Michelle is on track for week one against the Bears, and they are planning for some Justin Fields packages. Parks, am I going to get to see Justin Fields at all? There's a chance. There's not going to be packages, though. It's either the way you see Justin Fields is Andy Dalton got sacked so many times and it's halftime, and Matt Nagy needs to pull something out. And the fact is, like that, there's a chance. Like there's a serious chance. Andy Dalton's been awful in the preseason. Um, and not only Andy Dalton honestly hasn't been awful in the preseason. That's not fair. The Chicago Bears offensive line has been awful in the preseason. Like, really bad. And it's been bad for Fields and Dalton. What you see is that Fields is able to run, whereas Dalton is not when the pressure comes. Here's where I give Mac, I'll, I'll give him a little respect, is that I don't think he wants Fields to develop habits where he immediately drops his eyes and runs. That's bad. You don't want him to do that. I get buying him time with that respect. But... Like I, you know, the fact is that it's a, it's L.A. where Chicago has typically has a lot of fans, and like they are probably the home team in this regard. Despite the fact that it's in L.A., you know, they're going to be booing, they're going to be chanting for Fields. Like if Dalton doesn't get anything going, it's going to be tough. And here's the thing with Dalton though: is you look at their schedule, they play the Rams, probably going to lose, and this is the one I would tease the Bucks with the Rams. You know, the Rams and the Bucks are going to win their first games. So the Rams, unless, you know, Justin Fields is truly, if he came out at halftime and just shocked the Rams, that would be the only way. But you got um, the Bears lose to the Rams. Andy Dalton plays the Cincinnati Bengals week two. Maybe for whatever, you know, give Fields some time. Andy Dalton plays his old team. He beat them with the Dallas Cowboys last year. Maybe they go one and one. If they go 0 and 2, you know, it's over for Andy Dalton. If they go one and one, they play the Browns. And that's when it's over. You know, that's when the Andy Dalton thing, he'll, he will lose to the Browns and Justin Fields will start week four against the Detroit Lions. So he may start at halftime. If he doesn't start at halftime, I think it'll be week four, unfortunately. But that's, that's the true big takeaway here. And yeah, the fact is, you know, Jason Peters is 40 years old or he's not 40 yet. He's about to turn 40. He thought he was going to retire like three weeks ago. He's the Bears starting left tackle. You know, that's bad. And their starting right tackle is Jermaine Effetti. And I just laugh. Like, Bears fans think he's going to make the Pro Bowl. I'm like, he's, he was bad last season. First off, he was bad at right guard. And then they moved him to right tackle where he wasn't as bad at right tackle as he was at right guard. He still gave up a sack that lost the game to the Detroit Lions. And they they, like, they brought him back as a starter as if he'll just like start at right tackle for them. And yeah, I mean, their interior should be better. But James Daniels coming off an injury. I just don't like, you know... I don't like what the Bears are doing whatsoever in terms of their offense. Like I said, they cut, you know, what's his name? Charles Leno made no sense to me. So um, the big thing is that um, the Rams also, you know, they beat up on Matt Nagy typically. They've had, um, or no, uh, when Vic Fangio was there, he beat the Rams. And then the last two times that Matt Nagy's played the Rams without Fangio, um, McVay's gotten the better of him, mainly because, you know, he's got Trubisky and Foles are his starters in those games. And the fact that he's got, you know, his tackles are on ice skates, but it's the same tackles and now it's Dalton. So it's like, it's hard to get excited about them. And you look, you know, you wonder who's going to be the third receiver. It'll probably be um, Deshaun Jackson. So Deshaun Jackson will line up on Jalen Jones 
Johnson and he will be the decoy, which will set up um, Cooper Cup against Duke Shelley and um, Robert Woods against Kendall Vildor. Duke Shelley and Kendall Vildor are your starting cornerbacks for the Chicago Bears. Like, this isn't their defense back in the day. You know, it's just not. Um, Robert Quinn, like, has shown absolutely nothing. Danny Trevathan's out. Um, he's out for this game. And, like, he was bad anyways. You know, I, I don't trust the Bears. I don't think their defense is as good as it once was. Stafford has, um, he just put up 34 against the Bears. Um, the game that uh, Jermaine Effetti gave up the strip sack and the Detroit Lions, with, you know, all their issues last season, scored 34 against them. So, you know, Allen Robinson will take on Ramsey. Darius Williams, who had an excellent season, will take on Mooney. I mean, I think that the Rams' offensive line has serious questions, and losing their defensive coordinator and going back to Raheem Morris will lose a lot of the, like, complexity of their defense. I just don't think it's going to show against this offensive line that's just just devastating right now, and Andy Dalton behind it. So um, the Rams at home, I have a 24-13, Rams in the under. And the only way I'm wrong on this one is that if Justin Fields comes in and just blows everything. Yeah, Parks, that'll be interesting to see here. Monday night football, 41-42 on the Vegas rotation. Baltimore on the road at the Las Vegas Raiders Park. So this one open, Baltimore minus 5.5. Has been moved down to four and a half, even a four and one spot parks. Um, I mean, Baltimore's really losing a ton of running backs here, parks. I don't really have a whole lot else for you. How do you see this last one going? Yeah, I think I'm going to end up on the Raiders. I don't think I took it yet, but like you said, and I wish I took it earlier because it's trending down, but like you said, between that five and four and a half kind of, yeah, you could probably, you could probably find some value anyways because, yeah, like you said, man, it's trending in a bad way for Baltimore. And, you know, their offensive line, like I'm still not sure if Ronnie Stanley's going to start. And then, you know, Villanueva's first start at right tackle potentially. Or, you know, he may be at left tackle. So, like, they're still mixing that up. Um, I don't think they've announced their starting guard yet. So, you know, still mixing that up. Like you said, J.K. Dobbins is out. And I talked about how J.K. Dobbins adds such an element of the lateral running game that it's like they're going to be fine running the football, but they're not going to be, like, oh my God, this is trend-setting stuff anymore. You know, that's what's unfortunate about the Ravens. But you add in that, yeah, Bateman's not going to be there. Um, Hollywood's banged up. Miles Boykin's out. Um, I do think Devin Duvernay is in for a huge game. Like, I, I think this is a chance that he could potentially break out and be that guy. And I really, I've liked Devin Duvernay. I've kind of waited for his chance. And he's a guy that, like, could catch a screen and turn it up 20 yards. And against his secondary, he's, like, he's 4-3 fast. Um, you know, you get the ball in his hands and make things happen. I think he could find a way against this defense. But besides that, it's going to be Lamar. You know, I think Lamar could go over 100 rushing yards. But I think Lamar's going to struggle to, you know, consistently put together drives against. You know, the other thing is that we've talked about the fans. Like, this is a big one for the fans because it's Vegas's first game ever, um, you know, with their fans ever, you know, in terms of they're able to like have a, and I'm sure they're going to have a nice turnout. And, you know, I don't think it'll be a lot of Baltimore people. So it'll be, you know, the rowdy Raiders, you know, we'll see how it looks in terms of, you know, the death star and everything like that. But um, I think it's a good spot for them in terms of, you know, the Ravens defense is also a little bit banged up. And I think the Raiders offensive line, they made some changes to get a little bit younger, but I, I like them overall in terms of their changes. And then you look at, you know, Gruden's actually a pretty good offensive coach. It's just he, everything else about football, like head coaching, GMing, that stuff he's terrible at. But he's a really good offensive coach. He can draw plays up pretty well. Um, so I think, you know, the other thing I'm looking for is Brian Edwards. I think 
I don't know if he'll have a big game, but I'm looking for them to get him involved heavily and like him to show out as their number one receiver. Um, potentially drawing coverage for Marlon Humphrey and you know or Marcus Peters, but I think they put Peters on rugs and then they put Edwards on Humphrey. Unless they don't respect Edwards and then Edwards gets Peters, and I think Humphrey is so much more physical, whereas Ruggs is less physical. Like I think Edwards is way more physical and would have a better time against Peters than Humphrey. So we'll see. But um, yeah, like I said, I like Devin DuVernay and I like the Raiders. I think Carr will have a great game here. I don't think the pass rush for the Ravens is going to get home nearly as well as they want. They should run the ball pretty well. Like I said, I just think the first game at home, Baltimore is so banged up. Things are kind of trending in the right direction for the Raiders. So um, 24-20 Raiders. I like it, Parks. Again, if you don't already follow us on Twitter, at TNF underscore podcast, be sure to do so. I'll get with Parks probably this evening um, and tweet out some official plays for us. But we'll be back to recap week one. Enjoy the games, everybody.